Macular degeneration is a leading cause of vision loss, with 15% of Americans being at risk or already affected. Scientific evidence proves that by using mesozeaxanthin, lutein, and zeaxanthin together replenishes the macular pigment and promotes healthier vision. This formula comes in only one product, MacuHealth. This is Dr. Kerry Gill, the host of Open Your Eyes. And today I have a very, very special guest, Dr. Michael Tolentino. Dr. Tolentino is a very, very famous retina specialist, not only here in the US, but worldwide. He did his ophthalmology residency at Harvard Medical School, Mass Eye and Ear. He did his retinal fellowship at UPenn Shaley Eye Institute. Dr. Tolentino has developed many techniques medicines that save people's eyes and even life over over years because he's done some work with cancer he has many medical patents he's the founder and director of the clinical research program at the center for retina and macular disease he's published over a hundred publications he's an associate professor of ophthalmology University at the University of Florida. He's a he's the best lecturer that I've ever heard. When Mike is speaking, it's like watching a movie that you don't want to end. So Mike, I really appreciate you coming on. The retina is really the most amazing part of the body. Uh, we can learn so much from the retina. So give us a little bit of background about your history, why you became a retina specialist. You tell that great story about your dad. Well, um, uh, my, my dad uh, is one of the pioneers in the field of retina. Uh, he actually um, uh, wrote the first book on vitreoretinal surgery, and his uh, group at Harvard Medical School, uh, the, the Skeppins Eye Research Institute, uh, is the premier research institute for retina and eyes in general. Um, uh, I, he, he, w he was working there before I was born, and uh, when I was born, uh, we're an Asian family, so as a result, um, you know, if, if in an Asian family, if your if your parents run a a, re, a Chinese restaurant, well, uh, you have to work in the Chinese restaurant. Well, uh, uh, my dad was the uh, uh, an inventor and a surgeon, and so uh, and he was a professor at Harvard Medical School. So, uh, like like any good Asian family, instead of me uh, playing with my friends, I ended up uh, having to work in his laboratory and helping him. Uh, with his books and 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 also developing surgical uh, techniques uh, uh, for um, uh, for retinal disease uh, and also I had to learn how to use uh, uh, the examination tools that we use to examine the retina, which is what was developed by to the back of the eye, and uh, his group, uh, Dr. Charles Kepping's group, actually uh, was the one that developed that and invented it. So explain uh, to uh, our There's actually a, a model of that machine. I'm sorry? Uh, there's actually a model of that machine at the Smithsonian Institute, so. We were having a little technical difficulties there for a second. Uh, oh. Is it okay? Yeah, now, now, we're, now we're back. Okay. Okay, yeah, for some reason it froze. So explain oh. what the retina is and what a retina specialist is. Well, the retina is uh, what allows us to see. It actually translates the light signal into a brain signal that we can interpret, uh, which is very important. 
Think of it like uh, the, the digital chip inside one of your digital cameras, like your iPhone, et cetera. Um, it allows the, the light to be translated into an image that can be translated by your brain. And that's why it's very, very important. The other issue is, is that really the retina is, uh, is the brain. Uh, it's, it's an extension of the brain or it is part of the brain. And as a result, um, uh, it is why we can actually see. It was the development of this retina that really allowed us as, um, as uh, the human race uh, to be able to uh, visualize things and uh, allows animals uh, to, to see things and have that true sense of vision. The retina is full of blood vessels. And yes. it's the only place in the body that we could see the blood vessels. Explain how the retina is such a good biomarker to systemic health. Well, uh, the, the retina uh, is the brain, as I said. And as a result, uh, the blood vessels uh, in the retina are representative of the neural blood vessels or the brain blood vessels. Now, this allows us to really have a window into the brain without having to use an MRI, CAT scan, or any other X-ray device. Uh, it is the best way we can visualize the brain uh, without having to do anything super invasive like uh, cutting a hole in your head, all right? So that's why it is so, um, uh, so valuable in evaluating systemic conditions that can affect the brain. Uh, that can include Alzheimer's, that can include uh, diabetes, that can include hypertension, it can include uh, cancer. Okay, it can include anemia because you're actually looking at the brain's blood vessels through the retina. And that's why uh, it, it is such an important tool uh, for physicians around, around the world in all specialties. So if we use the retina as a biomarker, say for Alzheimer's, what are some of the things that we could see in the person's retina that may give us a clue that they may be getting a neurodegenerative disease, such as maybe Alzheimer's or Parkinson's? When I was at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, we identified a link between Alzheimer's and macular degeneration. Uh, macular degeneration and Alzheimer's are really literally the same uh, complex of things. Um, we can actually do testing. Uh, uh, we can look at the back of the eye identify a certain type of deposit that's found in the retina that would uh, predispose a patient who has these deposits to developing Alzheimer's disease. The other thing that we can use as a biomarker uh, is we can actually do a test uh, where we stain the retina with a certain, uh, uh, a certain stain uh, and it can show up these things called amyloid. Amyloid is um, uh, these plaques that occur at Alzheimer's and, uh, and are the precursor to the loss of memory that you get with Alzheimer's. The other issue is that you can look at the blood vessels and identify if a patient has high blood pressure uh, or diabetes. Uh, of course, uh, you can identify eye diseases like macular degeneration as well. But this is invaluable. If you can see the retina, it's invaluable for, uh, for a physician uh, to be, give, give a prognostication for patients and also to give diagnoses to patients. What will the doctors see if somebody has high blood pressure? What will the blood vessels look at look like? And if somebody's at risk for a heart attack, what would the blood vessels look like in the eye? Okay, so um, let's start out with high blood pressure. High blood pressure, think of it like uh, putting a garden hose onto a fire hydrant. What's gonna happen to that hose? It's gonna get all squirmy and it's gonna start leaking. 
okay? It'll, it'll, burst, it'll burst small little leaks in the, in the hose, and then the, the, the hose looks very, very squirmy. A patient who has high blood pressure or uncontrolled blood pressure will have a lot of squiggly blood vessels in the back of their eye. And also they will have these uh, areas of what I call popped blood vessels. Uh, they're called cotton wool spots. And cotton wool spots are, are, are a little, uh, they look like, like, like cotton, you know, on the retina. Um, if a patient has that, their blood pressure ain't controlled. And I can tell them, even a lot of my patients, they go, oh yeah, I take my blood pressure medicine and I don't eat salt and all that kind of stuff. And I look at them and I go, well, uh, it, it's, they're not doing a good enough job. <laughs> you better, you better, you better uh, do that better. Um, and then they always come up with the, the statement, oh, I measure my blood pressure like when I go to the doctor and it's fine. Well, you measure the blood pressure at your doctor's office maybe once a year or twice a year. Of course, it's going to be fine. What about the rest of the year? Okay. And I can actually tell a patient, you know, you're not really well controlled. I don't care what your doctor says or what you, what you measured at uh, the, the doctor's office. Now, um, when it comes to uh, other diseases like diabetes, for example, diabetes also can, can, can demonstrate uh, certain things in the back of the eye. Uh, they, a, lot, a lot of little bleeders, that's what occurs. It also can, um, can have these things called, uh, they're like fatty deposits. Uh, that, that show up in the retina, we call that exudate. Now, you asked about how can we identify if somebody is going to have a heart attack or have a, a stroke? Well, uh, a lot of times we can see cholesterol on the blood vessels uh, uh, in the retina. And uh, this is like looking at your heart our arteries and seeing the, these, these fatty deposits that are gonna cause you to have a heart attack. Uh, so we can diagnose a hell of a lot of things just by looking at the retina. Uh, that will help uh, keep you healthy and, 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 and keep, preserve your vision, uh, as well as help the doctor uh, uh, manage uh, your problems, in particular uh, blood pressure, cholesterol, and, uh, and also diabetes. Now, the blood vessels in the eye, are they different than the blood vessels in the brain or the blood vessels in the heart, the blood vessels in your feet? Um, the blood vessels in the eye are, are, are different and yet the same. Okay, um, they behave differently, and and I'm a vascular biologist. Um, I was um, uh, I, I trained at uh, one of the best uh, uh, laboratories at Harvard Medical School. Uh, a gentleman named uh, Dr. Judah Folkman, and uh, Dr. Judah Folkman was the world expert on the different blood vessels and uh, blood vessels in different parts of the body. While there are similarities between blood vessels um, in the brain and the eye. Uh, they behave differently, uh, and, and that's why um, uh, it, it's hard to generalize uh, the, the blood vessels. There's a problem with the blood vessels in your foot if you're going to have a problem with your eye, but uh, the, the eye is the most sensitive blood vessel to damage. As a result, it's like one of the earliest uh, indicators uh, for disease. Uh, you'll get problems in your eye before you get problems in your feet, your heart, and, and your brain. So that's... that's, that's, that's uh, while the blood vessels are different, um, uh, uh, they 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 are uh, they are the, they are the same in many ways. Okay, uh, and and we have to utilize the eyes blood vessel differences uh, to predict uh, problems with other parts of your body. So typically, you see patients when the the wheels are coming off the bus, pretty much. What are the most common diseases that you typically see of the eye? and that you could actually help these people from going blind? 
um, the most the most important actually likely is diabetes. Uh, uh, the, the epidemic of diabetes uh, uh, are diet our way of um, our uh, everything that we, uh, we we are doing in our society we're much more sedentary is creating a, a tsunami epidemic of diabetes and uh, this is thinking uh, to me having grown up uh, in in the field um, that uh, you know the the incidence of diabetes is 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 extraordinary plus um, uh, the effects on the eye are also quite extraordinary, um, uh, and, and it's very disconcerting. I mean, it truly is an epidemic, and, and probably one of the most important uh, things and most common things that I see. Of course, the second one is high blood pressure. Um, uh, a lot of people, we have so much salt in our diet, and we do not uh, exercise adequately, um, and as a result, uh, our blood pressures uh, go off kilter and uh, cause us to have strokes and, and also eye problems. Uh, that also incidence has been rising tremendously, uh, again, based on uh, the culture and our diet. Um, and then, of course, the third is something called macular degeneration, which uh, because of the proliferation of computer screens and, um, and indoor light that uh, really uh, mimics uh, the daylight or the sunlight outside, uh, it's increasing uh, the rate of development of macular degeneration, which will be devastating for future generations. But those are the three most common things that I look at in the back of the eye. So let's talk about diabetes for a second. So what are some of the, the, the signs and some of the symptoms that patients have when they come to see you? And what can we do to help those patients? Actually, the most common sign for a diabetic is uh, uh, they, their glasses don't work for them, or they feel like they need glasses, or their vision is blurred. That actually is the most common presenting sign of a diabetic. Um, once a patient comes in, and a lot of times uh, the patients don't come to see me at that stage. They see our, our colleagues, okay, my, the, my general ophthalmologic optometric colleagues. And um, uh, of course, they're given glasses, and of course, for a short period of time, it works. But uh, that the bottom line is that uh, that's really the first sign that diabetes is, is happening and diabetes is uncontrolled. The second most common sign actually is the formation of early cataracts. Early cataracts, um, there's a certain type of cataract which is an opacity on the lens inside your eye. It's like a little cloudiness, right? And that occurs at a younger age in diabetics. And sometimes um, uh, the only reason they would have cataracts is because they're diabetic. But because it doesn't really affect them or they haven't had any other symptoms, uh, they don't consider themselves diabetic. As a result, uh, they don't go to see the doctor to be checked. The, 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 the third, of course, uh, which is less common but uh, more important, is that you start seeing bleeds inside the retina. If the retina starts bleeding, there's only a few things that can cause that, and that diabetes number one, diabetes number two, diabetes, and then other, other conditions. So uh, that's exactly uh, I mean, why it's so important uh, that uh, if, if a person comes in uh, or if you start developing blurred vision, don't just say it's, it's something else, it's your glasses or whatever. It could be a sign that you're diabetic. So you said with, uh, we lost a little bit with, with the technical difficulty. There were three 
when if it's bleeding in their eye, there are three main things that you see. Can you repeat that? Okay, the three main things. The first one is, of course, blurred vision. Okay. Second is cataracts, a certain type of cataract. And the third is bleeding in the retina. Uh, small bleeds, we call uh, dot blot bleeds. The most and common, the things you said, the most common causes of the bleeds. Well, I, I lost you there for a second. Can you repeat that? Uh, what are the most common bleeds in the retina? You, you said before. Uh, the most common bleeds in the retina are very small bleeds that don't affect your vision at all. Uh, but what, what, and that's what, the time. What, what diseases are they from? Uh, the most common is diabetes. The second is diabetes. The third oh. is diabetes. And then there's high blood pressure. <laughs> yeah, we lost you on that. That's why I had to repeat that. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, if, if you have a bleed in your eye, uh, uh, I, I, I would guess you're diabetes, that diabetic. The issue is that when I find bleeds in patients' eyes, uh, they auto automatically always say, no, no, I'm not diabetic. <laughs> I'm going, well, uh, you're not diagnosed with diabetes, but you likely are diabetic. Sorry. <laughs> what can I say, right? I, I'm just, the, I'm just the, the messenger. I'm not, I'm not the, the creator of your problem, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> so what, what causes the person's vision to get blurry when they start bleeding in the eye where they can't see? Well, the, the vision uh, gets blurred. Well, and uh, it's from the retina. The, 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 pr the problem is, is that, uh, that I'm, I'm considered a world expert in the pathogenesis of that. <laughs> um, I'm going to try to make it understandable uh, to uh, the common person. All right. Um, uh, I'll have to use some big words. I apologize. But um, uh, that, that's the only way I can explain it. Uh, let's start out with what diabetes does uh, to, uh, to the eye and the body. Uh, the only thing diabetes does is it fills your uh, blood, blood levels up with sugar, all right? Now, sugar isn't bad. I mean, uh, you know, we eat sugar. We, we have a good time with it. You know, we, we, I, I just ate ice cream. It's great, right? Um, I don't drink sodas too much, but too much sugar, what happens is that um, it sits in your bloodstream, and what it does is it coats, uh, coats the, the cells inside your body and in your blood vessels, all right? Um, unfortunately, uh, think of it like uh, uh, caramel. Uh, I'm sure you've, you've eaten caramel on top of your ice cream sundae, right? Imagine caramel coating the inside lining of your arteries and your blood vessels, okay? Uh, that's not a really pretty picture, correct? No. And that's all. exactly what you're doing when you're diabetic and you don't take care of the diabetes and your sugar is so high. So what happens is that uh, the, the, the sticky sugar, that's the caramel that's lining your blood vessels, it causes a lot of problems. And the problems that it causes is it, it, it allows, it makes the uh, blood vessels uh, pro or, the, or the cells in the, in the body produce uh, these, these fertilizer growth factors we're called. Growth factors uh, are, are what allow us to, to grow things like blood vessels and uh, to our skin, there's a skin growth factor. Our hair has a growth factor, that's why it grows. Um, you know, uh, also fat, there's growth factors for fat, that's why we get fat, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And so the sugar uh, stimulates these growth factors that uh, produce uh, something called blood vessels to grow. And uh, that's a big problem. It also uh, uh, causes, uh, it, it like attracts these things called inflammatory 
cells that block up blood vessels. So as a result, you have uh, 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 these, these blood vessels filled with inflammatory cells, and then also these growth factors being produced because there's so much sugar caramel coating the blood vessels in the cells. As a result, you start, uh, uh, you start blocking off small blood vessels in the retina. And if you block a small blood vessel in the retina, it's going to have a backup and pop. And that's where you get these bleeds from diabetes. It gets even worse than that because what happens is that uh, these blocked uh, small blood vessels uh, from the caramel and the and the cells they will cause uh, uh, the uh, they'll cause uh, the blood vessels that are already there to leak and this is where we have the most visual loss from diabetics uh, because uh, the blood vessels that are already there they're not new blood vessels the old blood vessels that are there that are being blocked up they start leaking fluid, and then you form a blister inside uh, the center of your vision, and you don't see very well. And that really is uh, the main visual loss. And um, it's not the small bleeds; it's the leak that the small bleeds cause. And that's uh, really the pathogenesis of 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 the the blinding situation uh, for diabetic patients. Make sense? Yes, so that was a beautiful explanation. Explain when you decide that it's time for treatment and what the different treatments are. If there is swelling of the center of the eye, the macula, mac we have macular edema that's called, what you just beautifully described, when do we have to treat it? As soon as a little bit of swelling or do we need a lot of swelling or do we have to wait for the vision to go down? When do you make the decision as a retina specialist that you have to treat that person? Um, a lot has changed in the last 25 years, all right? Um, in the past, uh, we, would not, uh, we would not treat this until we saw that there was going to be some visual loss, all right? Uh, you'd have to actually form the swelling before we could treat it, and we would treat it with various uh, techniques, uh, mostly laser, uh, sometimes surgery, all right? And, and sometimes we would give an injection of a steroid. But um, uh, uh, in 1993, I invented a class of drug, uh, of course, with a team at Harvard Medical School, where uh, we actually treat the underlying cause of the bleeding and the leaking. It's this growth factor I was telling you about. And we developed uh, an injection that we give into the eye that can actually block this growth factor that's produced uh, by the uh, caramel-coated uh, cells inside our eye, right? Um, we've, we've developed it uh, over the last uh, almost 25 years, and now it's become the staple of therapy for, uh, for retinal disease. Now, uh, we, we just finished a trial uh, where we were injecting um, the eyes of patients who just had uh, small bleeds, but their vision was not affected. And we discovered that um, this was able to stop uh, patients uh, uh, from losing vision. Uh, and it was FDA approved uh, for that. Now, the injections uh, uh, are now uh, used uh, in patients who have any uh, sign of bleeding in their eye from diabetic retinopathy. And that's indicated. Now, I have a philosophical problem with that because 
the best way to really treat uh, this early disease is not to give shots, but to actually uh, uh, manage your diet and also manage your weight and also uh, exercise. Uh, if you catch a patient with this early sign of bleeding, uh, it'll take them probably several years to develop visual loss. In those several years, you could actually reverse the diabetes by eating right, watching your carbohydrate intake, uh, exercising appropriately, and uh, you know, trying to lead a, a fairly good life. That's what we should be advising patients who are diabetic, not telling them that they need shots. So philosophically, while we do have uh, the standard of care amongst my colleagues is to give shots to people with bleeds, early bleeds and diabetics, I don't think that should be the appropriate standard of care. The appropriate standard of care should be to manage the diabetes better so that they won't get into trouble, right? I, I, when it comes to heart, people that have heart attacks, sometimes they grow new blood vessels and they get these collaterals. Yes. There's actually a technique that you could do, uh, this EECP technique, uh, enhanced external counterpulsation, where they actually put like uh, blood pressure cuffs on your legs to get you to grow collaterals in the heart. Yes. So if we prevent collaterals, how do we know when the collaterals are good and when the collaterals are bad? So um, do, we have to, do we have to worry like if we're, we're injecting with anti-VEGF that we may prevent the collaterals, good collaterals, helping people with their heart? Uh, absolutely. Uh, back in the day, remember, um, um, uh, I helped develop both the, uh, the anti-VEGF and also the pro-VEGF therapies. Um, when I was at the University of Pennsylvania at the Kirby Center for Molecular Ophthalmology, I developed something called gene therapy, all right? I was working with the cardiology department to actually um, uh, uh, put a gene therapy vector into the heart to... Uh, increase the levels of this uh, factor called VEGF uh, in the heart so that collaterals could form. Now, what's very interesting is, is that um, uh, th that is a very successful uh, concept, uh, but uh, the heart is, 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 is a difficult uh, organ to study, especially in patients who have heart attacks. And um, uh, most heart attack patients don't, it's hard to give an injection into the heart. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it's actually easier to do that in the eye. So that research hasn't really gone so far because of the problems of injecting the heart at the time when the, somebody has a heart attack, right? Now, uh, the problem is, is that uh, having uh, helped invent the anti-VEGF uh, drugs, I know that uh, there is a risk that if, you're, if you had a heart attack and you give the shot, uh, you could actually cause another heart attack to occur because you block off these collateral blood vessels that are supposed to, to grow back and, uh, and refeed the heart uh, uh, for blood once a heart attack has occurred. Uh, so again, it's, it's why I don't suggest uh, in patients who have uh, early diabetes that they should, uh, uh, they, they should try to take care of their, their sugars first before they, they get these injections. Diabetics have a propensity, an increased risk of heart attacks. And usually they're silent heart attacks and they're, they're, they're small heart attacks until uh, eventually you, you can't, you, the heart doesn't work too well and then you go into heart failure and then you don't do so well. This is a very common story 
uh, for diabetics. I mean, uh, my mom, who is, uh, who is bedridden right now, uh, she's diabetic and um, uh, she is dwindling away because of heart failure. She's had multiple small heart attacks um, that, that were never what, the, oh, the big one, oh my God, you know, I have big chest pain. No, no, no. These are all small, undetected until you go to the doctor's office, you do an EKG and you go, oh my God, you know, uh, there are three vessels here that are, that are completely blocked. They're small blood vessels, but her heart doesn't work. Her heart now works at 15%. And that's why she's in oxygen. She has to stay in bed. She can't walk. Um, you know, and we have 24-hour health care for her because she can't even walk to go to the bathroom. All right? Now, this is what happens to a lot of diabetics. Imagine if uh, we keep on injecting somebody's eyes over and over again, stopping the heart from you know, refusing uh, these small heart attacks, you're going you're gonna to end up uh, like my mom much sooner than, than you would. So that's why you have to be responsible when we start giving these shots. There are side effects of anything that we do to treat something, okay? The best, uh, the best treatment is to, to have a conservative treatment. Like I said, you, you, you know, eating correctly, exercising is, ain't going to kill you, all right? All right. Uh, these injections will. So I, I know I keep on stressing this, but, but uh, I have a lot of patients who are diabetic. They come to me and says, oh, you can fix me anyways, right? So I can just eat whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. That's not the message I want to portray here, all right? That's really the bottom line, <laughs> okay? Talk about some of the really interesting instruments that you have in your office to help with early diagnosis. Well, um, we have a, a, a really... A, 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 of instruments, uh, the patient has really changed the way we do medicine. Um, just the cameras alone that we have are phenomenal. Um, uh, there is a, a, a groundbreaking machine called the optical coherence tomography machine called OCT. And the OCT actually uh, slices and dices the retina and without having to slice and dice it. But we can see it just like a CAT scan or an MRI and we can look at the whole retina uh, overall, uh, and, and look at any uh, subtle changes uh, in the retina. We also have um, uh, a camera that can, can look at or take a picture of the whole retina. It's called an Optos camera. Uh, the Optos camera is a wide field camera that allows us to see all of the retina, just a small portion of it, or just the macula. Uh, then other technologies include something called, uh, uh, I have this machine actually in my room here. It's called a, uh, it's called a Maya Microperimeter. And we're using that a great deal because when you have small bleeds in the retina, you're going to cause small blind spots. And uh, typical measurements of your vision and an eye chart are not going to be able to uh, detect uh, uh, any, uh, any, any blind spots, except if you use something uh, like this, uh, this, uh, this microperimeter uh, Maya. I also have something called dark adaptation, which um, uh, what happens when your, 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 your retina is all sludged up, remember I told you with all that sugar? Um, it actually causes our eyes not to be able to uh, adapt to darkness. And this is a machine that measures that, and it will pick up uh, uh, really uh, a damaged retina or ischemic retina, which is, I mean, again, phenomenal. Uh, this is all uh, early detection of, of the diabetes or diabetic uh, eye disease or loss of vision from diabetes that we couldn't do before. Now, uh, granted, uh, we now have a, a therapy that we can introduce early on, which is this, um, uh, which is really this, uh, uh, this, this injection. But what would be more important, actually, is to manage the sugars better. 
And the technology for managing sugars are fantastic. There's these machines called continuous glucose monitors that um, I prescribe to all my patients if their insurance covers it. And uh, that allows them to actually uh, look at the consequence of what they do. Uh, I'll give you an example. I have a patient um, who, who thought that, you know, uh, that eating carrots was good for him, but he's diabetic. And so uh, I asked, had him get this continuous glucose monitor, and then he ate the carrots, and his sugars skyrocketed. He goes, oh, my God. So he stopped eating too many carrots. He didn't take it completely gone, but he stopped eating too many carrots because uh, carrots have a high glycemic index. I mean, same thing with uh, oranges. Uh, I live in Florida, so they drink a lot of orange juice here, right? So I have some diabetics who come in and go, oh, orange juice, fantastic, orange juice. You know, it's healthy, right? And then they do this continuous glucose monitor. They drink one cup of orange and they, their sugars go up to 400. I mean, it's like, you know, that's the best way to, to, to monitor and teach, teach the patient exactly, you know, what's, what's good for them, what's bad for them. The other thing is, is that I have some patients who exercise a lot, way too much, especially if they're diabetic. They think that's really good for them. But what happens is that, like, they're on the treadmill for an hour, right? And their sugars go down to, like, 60. That ain't good either. You're going to pass out. Oh, right? So if you're gonna if you're gonna do the treadmill, you well you gotta have some sugar, right? Uh, and this 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 is I think more important than me giving a shot to somebody's eye once once a month for the rest of their lives, right? I mean I think I think you agree with me, Kelly. Oh, absolutely! Fantastic advice. Let's switch over to macular degeneration. You're sure. one of the world experts in macular degeneration. You're the inventor, developer of therapies to treat macular degeneration. Tell us what macular degeneration is. Degeneration is really uh, a rusting away of your vision. That's pretty much what it is, okay? Uh, it corrodes, and also it's, it's the killing of the retina cells as they get older. Uh, and if you understand that, um, you understand uh, macular degeneration. What you have to do, though, is understand why does it, why do we rust? That's number one. And also, why do the cells in the retina die? That's the number two, okay? And science has, uh, has really uh, come up with a lot of the answers uh, just in the last four to five years. So uh, the question is, why do we rust? And why do we rust mostly in the center of the vision, which is called the macula? That's why it's called macular degeneration. We don't talk about peripheral degeneration, which is the retina outside the center, only the center. The main reason is because that area of tissue receives more light than any other part of the body. And the, rate, the light that you receive actually is very, very focused and powerful. Um, our, we have a lens system, like our eyes like a camera, and our lens is very, very powerful. It's one of those super zoom lenses, correct? And what that does is it, it actually uh, amplifies or intensifies the light and it puts it into a nice point right to the center of our vision. So imagine when we wear glasses, right? We wear glasses to focus the image so that it goes, lands right on the center. But what that does is it behaves like a magnifying glass when you're trying to start a fire on a leaf. It intensifies the light. So light that, that is not normally harmful or burning becomes something that can actually, uh, 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 your, your center of your vision is very exposed. It's like the pinpoint of the magnifying glass where you start the fire on the leaf, all right? Now, what light is bad? Well, almost uh, uh, anything that's uh, like in the, in the, what we call ionizing range, which is, um, uh, which is uh, blue light, violet light, ultraviolet light, gamma radiation is always bad for the eye, okay? 
Now, the, pr the problem is, is that um, UV light doesn't get to the back of the eye. So the only ionizing radiation that can get to the back of the eye is between uh, 500 and 400 nanometers. Now, what is so special about this ionizing radiation? Ionizing radiation is just defined as something that can cause um, uh, uh, something called oxidation. Now, most people don't understand what oxidation is, but oxidation is just rust, rusting, okay? So the only form of photo rusting that can occur is with this particular wavelength of light. As a result, that's what initiates and propagates the macro generation, which I told you is just rusting, correct? Now, the other uh, uh, factor that just was recently discovered is why did the cells die? Well, they die because um, uh, there is a, a genetic switch that is found in our retinal cells that if you expose to this blue light, which is photooxidative, right, uh, it will cause uh, the, uh, the retinal cells to commit harikiri. Harikiri is a form of, of, of death or suicide that is very uh, well described in the Japanese literature. It's a very clean, programmed cell death. All right, and all you have to do to kill these cells uh, and cause the blindness from macular degeneration is to uh, shine this uh, wavelength of light, which is 445 nanometer, which is right in the blue spectrum of light, uh, on the retina, and it will cause the cell to uh, to, to signal cell death. And it's a, a really clean death. It's not like you know bloody and all that kind of stuff. It's just the cells just die and then they get cleaned up, and then you have a, a blind spot in the back of your eye. I just described something called dry macular degeneration, all right? There's another form of macular degeneration called wet macular degeneration. And again, it's caused exactly by this thing called oxidation or rusting. Uh, think of your car, and uh, you spray it with salt water every morning, okay? It's like uh, looking at, uh, like, like, like I, I, I'm, I'm unprotected on the screen because the, ref, uh, the reflection off my glasses, I'm not wearing my glasses. So I would never usually do this. I would always wear my protective uh, glasses uh, before I, I look at the screen this long. But um, you know, for, for video purposes, I'm okay, right? Uh, but, but I've already been uh, on the, in front of this computer for 45 minutes or 30 minutes or so. And I know that uh, several of my cells in my retina are, are, are killing themselves, okay? I know that. But thank God I have close to a million retinal cells. So if I lose one or two now, that's okay. Imagine when I get up to 85, right? And I've done this a lot. Well, my million retinal cells, a lot of them would have killed themselves already. Now, the other thing is, is that when this programmed cell death occurs, it stimulates something called inflammation. It's a form of inflammation that is very subtle. It's not like uh, when you get the, a virus or a flu and you, you know, it's really, really bad. It's a subtle inflammation. And that's what uh, the inflammation was designed to clean up the dead cells. Think of them like, like, uh, like uh, you know, when, you, when there's a big war and there are a lot of dead bodies, correct? And you have these people who go in and, and, and collect the bodies and then they, they dispose of them, correct? Well, um, that's, those are inflammatory cells. The problem is, is that these inflammatory cells, they can get pissed off and they start producing this factor called VEGF, which is what happens when you, you coat blood vessels and cells with sugar, right? And as a result, uh, you have uh, the possibility of developing new blood vessels that grow into the same area where the cells are dying. Not a good situation, but we have a good treatment for it, those injections again that we were talking about. 
So in, in this, this short five minutes, I've explained to you the whole pathogenesis of, of macular degeneration. And it also gives you clues in terms of what you can do as a patient or, uh, or, uh, or just uh, somebody who may develop macular degeneration in their future, how they can prevent that. Very similar to diabetes, we have now preventative strategies that can help us slow down the disease. Vision Edge gives you less eye strain and reduced damage caused by blue light. We like to call Vision Edge sunscreen for the eye. It all starts with your highest level of visual performance, only achievable through scientifically proven Vision Edge. Thank you for tuning in to the Open Your Eyes podcast. If you like the video you're watching, please hit the like button. Also, hit subscribe for weekly new episodes of the podcast, along with pod winks and bonus content. All right, let's get back to the show. Now, the blue light coming off the computer is unopposed by, there's no infrared to kind of balance it or UV to balance it. It's just blue light, and people are looking at the computers all day. How dangerous, if we could just talk about how dangerous that blue light coming off the computer. Is it dangerous or is it not dangerous? Uh, what do you think? Well, well um, uh, I would say 15 years ago, it wasn't dangerous, all right? It's because um, the amount of light that was coming off uh, the screens, uh, the bad light, and again, the, the, the bad wavelength of light is called 445 nanometer blue light, all right? Um, you, it was uh, approximately one-tenth the strength of a sunset, all right? Now, um, I have an iPhone 7 here, all right? iPhone 7 is actually um, uh, at this setting, which is a medium brightness, is about uh, two times uh, the, the power of blue light that comes out of a sunset. Um, in my, um, my backpack, I have an iPhone 11, which I don't like to use too much because it actually is close to seven times uh, that of a sunset. All right? Wow. So, um, uh, you know, back in the day, I I'll give you an example. I just saw a patient uh, maybe three weeks ago. Uh, was a, what, he's 22 years old. All right, he was in college here, in local college over here. And um, he was given an iPhone 11, uh, probably for Christmas. Before that, he was with an iPhone 7. Now, college students, they, they live on this thing, right? Well, what happened is, is that he started using the iPhone 11 the same amount as he was using the iPhone 7, and he lost vision. Wow. Yeah, he noticed it, and that's why he came here. And, and he went to, uh, went to uh, one of my colleagues uh, who couldn't find anything wrong, okay? But what I found, actually, when I looked into his eye, now, um, of course, I'm, a, I'm an expert, et cetera. Um, he was starting to develop drusen, which is the hallmark sign of macular degeneration. But he's 22 years old. Wow. That sucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, um, uh, I... I uh, I have so many cases of that, and, and people don't realize this. It's because this is the first generation that has been uh, able to expose themselves to sort of really high-powered light, okay, uh, 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 visible light uh, in the, the blue spectrum. Again, I always harp on 445 nanometer because 445 nanometer is what comes out at peaks from computer screens, from iPhones, from sunlight, daylight, etc. And that's the one that triggers the cell death in the retina. And that's why this patient, 22-year-old, um, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he lost vision. Hopefully, I don't know if he'll get some of his back, but, you know, functionally, he's lost vision. All wow, right? that's incredible. Well, it's, it's, it's sad. All I'm saying is it's sad. 
you know, what are we doing to ourselves? And the generation that's growing up now. I'm, so what kind of filtering glasses should people wear to protect themselves against blue light? Well, it has to be uh, ones that filter 445 nanometer blue light. Now, I've tested 53 different uh, lens types. The only one that I found was a Canadian brand, okay? Uh, it's called True Blue Lenses. And uh, it's, it uses something called uh, a pigment uh, impregnated technology. Now, there are other glasses that use that effectively. I'll show you my glasses. Um, uh, this is, they're, they're kind of yellow, that's why they reflect, okay? And the problem with this is that um, uh, they're, 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 they're sort of yellow, so people look at it and say, oh, it looks urine colored. So uh, initially, when I was trying to convince my, my 21-year-old son to wear it, he goes, dad, I don't look good with this. I said, son, if you uh, want to use that computer that I just bought you for school, uh, you better wear this, otherwise I'm taking that away. I'm also going to take away your iPhone, <laughs> okay? Right, right. And, 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 and so he, he uses that. And, and he, you know what he, what he finds? He was having sleep disorder, right? Uh, college students, well, they party too much. You know how that works, right? You know, and they, they don't get enough sleep, right? Yes. Well, after he started wearing these glasses, um, and then he now wears sunglasses to use his computer. His, he has a 5K Macintosh. 5K Macintoshes are like super powerful. This one, this Macintosh I'm using right now, it's a weaker one. I haven't upgraded, okay? Because <laughs> I, I don't want to destroy my eyes, you know? Uh, but he did. And um, uh, he now wears uh, not only his, uh, his prescription glasses, but he wears uh, sunglasses on top, of the, the true blue sunglasses on top of them too. And uh, now he has no problem sleeping. Actually, he sleeps too much, I think. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I know the feeling. You can't win for trying, right, Kerry? <laughs> no, you can't. Not when it comes to kids. So, yeah, uh, yeah. before we had, we, we cut out a little bit when you said the true blue lenses. Are there any other brands, or that was the only one that you tested that? That was the only that one that I, I tested. And, um, you know, I have a foundation uh, because they're a small company. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know if they're going to survive. So uh, my, my foundation actually uh, um, uh, uh, invested in them to make sure that, that they will survive because um, we need that uh, level of protection. Hopefully, if we, we, we show this to the industry, that they will, they will rise uh, to produce uh, lenses and sunglasses that actually truly protect rather than uh, just uh, appear, appear like they protect you. Okay? So... Yeah. You know, what's really sad is I recently went to a lecture and I actually asked the speaker about blue light and is it dangerous to the retina? And he says, ah, oh, that's all bull. Now I'm talking to the world expert right here. So I'm glad yeah. to hear that it is not bull. But, but it, it's the same thing that happened uh, with cigarettes. It also is the same thing that happened with, uh, uh, with Coca-Cola, well, I shouldn't say Coca-Cola, but high fructose corn syrup, all right? Um, uh, there were pundits that said uh, that, oh yeah, because uh, they're, they're aligned to the industry. You understand what I mean? Right. I mean, the biggest companies in, in the United States, uh, they all uh, want people to use the computer more than not use it less, right? I mean, Amazon, I mean, Apple, I mean, I, mean, I can name... That, sure. you know, they're, they're, they're the most valuable companies in the world. Look at history. The most valuable companies back then were the cigarette companies. It, how long did it take for, I mean, how many people had to die from smoking cigarettes before we realized that, you know, I mean, even now, you know, 
<laughs> people still smoke, holy crap, right? People are still dying of lung cancer. I mean, what can I say? And then high fructose corn syrup. That's why we have so much diabetes. Right. We were told that, that, that you know, this sugar stuff was good for you. You know, we have, a, we have an investor, his name is Warren Buffett. And he says that he drinks six cans of Coke or cherry Coke a day. That's why he's, he's so smart. Right. Give me a break. Um, I studied when I was a kid in mainland China. And there was a, the prime minister there was a guy named Deng Xiaoping. All right. And uh, they would have commercials in communist China where they would show Deng Xiaoping smoking a cigarette saying, I'm, I'm, I'm 90 years old because I smoke cigarettes, fortune brand cigarettes. Right. So uh, you, you understand that there are a lot of scientists who uh, will, uh, uh, how do you put it, um, be mainstream. Uh, you maybe they might be a consultant for, uh, you know, a, a Apple or a consultant for Amazon or, you know, or do something with that, you know. So they're going to say things that are not. Follow the money, right? Oh, well, yeah. Follow the money. Follow the money. That's how it is. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when you're outside for like the morning sun, uh, and it, and it's balanced with infrared and uh, the UV, I guess, hasn't come, you know, it takes a little while for it to come up. Is then it's safer, the blue light or, or sunset? Is it safer yeah. or is it still just as bad? No, it's just as bad. Um, uh, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, uh, um, research on using, um, uh, uh, filtering blue light at the full spectrum for patients who have uh, traumatic brain injury and migraine headaches, okay? And uh, we're actually testing uh, this concept uh, with uh, one of the world's experts on concussions uh, up in Canada. And uh, what I found is, is that if you look at uh, the, the, the tracks, okay? So, so red, uh, infrared light and red light is actually very good. It's a healing wavelength of light, okay? And um, uh, the, the issue is, is that the receptors for that healing wavelength of light are actually not found in the macula. They're found throughout the whole retina, all right? Same thing with the blue light uh, uh, receptors, but the blue light receptors, um, you know, that, that's the cone cells, right? You know, that's the cone cells. And so um, uh, they, 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 they are getting a lot of exposure uh, to blue light and the red cannot counterbalance that. It just doesn't happen. And this is the same signaling process that occurs in patients with migraines and also uh, with uh, concussions because uh, the brain is short-circuited and red light and blocking blue light is going to be very beneficial for allowing the resting of the brain and to stop the stimulation of the brain. And this is, this, is, uh, this is a hypothesis that I've had for a long, long time. And now it's being borne out by, uh, by having uh, people with post-concussion syndrome and uh, migraines wear this particular lens. When they worn other lenses, it didn't block the, the full spectrum of blue light, it didn't help. And so there's a lot of uh, scientists that go, oh, this blue lighting te technology doesn't work. They're wrong. No, it does work. It's just that the technology that you were testing was ineffective because it wasn't blocking the appropriate wavelengths of light. That's all. So do you need to block 100%, 50%, 70%? Everybody has a threshold. It's a threshold, all right? Um, if you block, uh, well, uh, the sunglasses that True Blue makes, 96%. That's pretty good, okay? Um, and then uh, these, these uh, indoor ones are 76%. But compared to uh, the leading, um, uh, like, blue protecting lens, 
uh, that's usually uh, 12%, 13%. Wow. Now, it, it blocks. I mean, they're not wrong. They're, they're not lying. It does block, but 13%. So think about, um, uh, there was a recent article that just came out about skin cancer melanoma and the UV exposure, right? They found out that in, uh, in, in non-Latino uh, Caucasians, uh, that 94% uh, of melanomas are caused by uh, uh, UV exposure, right? Uh, that was, that's brand new. That's not something that uh, a lot of us knew. We, 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 we thought it was, but it was actually proven. Now, look how long it's taken us to prove that. So the suggestion now is that you have to wear an SPF of close to uh, uh, 30 to, to 50, okay? Anything low, but you, you go, to, go to the drugstore, all right? There's SPF of three, SPF of 10, SPF of 15. Right. Pretty much useless, <laughs> okay, you know? Um, and and, and uh, I would say that this indoor one is SPF of maybe 50, and then the sunglasses SPF of 100, if you, if you wanna compare and contrast, okay? Well, let's talk about preventing macular degeneration. What are some sure. of your recommendations? Well, um, there are several. One is to, uh, uh, to avoid computer screens too long. Okay, I, I'm already breaking that because, you know, I'm talking with you, <laughs> but and I, I don't have my glasses because they're, they're gonna cause a, a filter. Um, the next one is, um, is th th there, there are several um, supplements that, that, that I have studied. I actually have studied pretty much most of the supplements. I, I, there's a big supplement called AREDS, A-R-E-D-S. Um, that is not a supplement that I recommend anymore. Um, I was the main one of the main investigators for that study, and um, uh, there are problems with it. Uh, not that it doesn't work. Uh, it does work, but it only prevents something called uh, wet macular degeneration. Uh, but it may um, work by drying out the macula. And I told you there's another form of untreatable macular degeneration called dry macular degeneration. So there is some evidence that says that uh, if you take this uh, substance uh, for the wet macular to prevent wet macular, you dry out the retina, and as a result, your dry macular degeneration will, will accelerate. That's why I suggest no for that. Mainly because I already have a treatment for wet macular, it's an injection, okay? And actually the minority of patients develop the wet. Only 10% of those who have macular degeneration develop the wet. So why will I give them something that's going to, uh, how, do, how do I say, prevent the wet, but worsen the dry, which is the majority. So I, I don't do that, okay? Just out of common sense. Plus there are toxicities with that formulation that are, are not so good, okay? One of the toxicities that's been known is that there was a component called, uh, that, that caused lung cancer, all right, that we showed. There's also another component that is in, implicated in causing prostate cancer at the doses. Uh, there is a, a, a sub substance called zinc inside that formulation that is actually the active ingredient. The problem with zinc is that um, uh, there is FDA warnings that say that you shouldn't take more than 40 milligrams of zinc for more than 10 days, otherwise you'll get neuronal damage. Uh, these formulations have 80 milligrams or 60 milligrams. And if you try to use less, well, it won't work as well. So why take it in the first place, right? So what do I suggest? Well, um, some uh, uh, the protectant inside our eye. It's called macular pigment, okay? 
you know, you understand pigment is what protects our skin, our eyes, all our bodies from radiation. Okay. And Mike, this macular pigment. Oh yeah. Uh, we lost you again. So if you could just pick up, what do I suggest? Oh, what do I suggest? Yeah. Okay, what I suggest is, uh, what I suggest is, um, is, is uh, a supplement which restores macular pigment in the eye. Okay. Uh, that is called mesozeaxanthine, lutein, and zeaxanthine. Uh, the brand name I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it is called MacuHealth, and MacuHealth is the only one that has the right ratio and also the right amounts of this to restore the macular pigment in the eye. Now, if you take that supplement, you have to take it uh, with a sip of milk, empty stomach, and uh, sometimes uh, one to four times a day. I've been doing research on this substance now since 2008. And I actually have used it uh, to stop or prevent the need for injections. And if you're getting injections, stop the need for continued injections. I have close to a thousand patients where I have them on MacuHealth and all I do is I follow them, I don't give them a shot, okay? Now they are on varying doses, anywhere from one to four times a day. It's gotta be taken separately. But um, uh, I have a lot of happy patients who are not getting shots that I see day in, day out and uh, they're doing quite well on this supplement. And how do you determine if it's one, two, three, or four times a day, and, and, uh, and, and at what time level? Is it breakfast, lunch, dinner, before they go to bed? How do you yes. decide that? Yeah, so uh, breakfast morning, uh, you know, uh, morning, noon, night, before you go to bed is, is for the four time a day. Now, um, my, my father uh, developed uh, wet macular degeneration. Uh, and uh, I, was, I, I diagnosed him on a Sunday, all right? Uh, because he goes, you know, my, my dad is professor of ophthalmology at Harvard Medical School. And, and he goes, oh, you know, uh, I, I'm not seeing so well from my right eye. I think the cataracts are getting worse. And I said, dad, I just looked at you like two months ago. Your cataracts weren't even bad, all right? I mean, the power of denial, even in a world-class, famous, you know, ophthalmologist, retina specialist, still denies, <laughs> denies everything, you know what I mean? Like, like a cardiologist going, oh, the chest pains aren't bad, <laughs> you know, I'm not having a heart attack. I mean, seriously, right? Right, right. Well, my dad, my dad is, my dad always says that um, he can dish it out, but he can't take it, all <laughs> right? So uh, when I diagnosed him with wet macular, he says, I don't want to get a shot. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, and you know what he said? He goes, who's going to give it to me? Said, well, uh, uh, you're sort of looking at him. No, you, you can't. You're, you're my son. <laughs> you can't give it to me. And, and why not? You know? So what he did was he did an experiment. He had been reading all that research I was doing. And uh, he decided, he looked at one, one paper. And he's a scientist. He's developed uh, surgeries and treatments. He's a professor at Harvard Medical School. Hello? So he looked at the papers and he saw one paper, which was um, the toxicity of this uh, MacuHalt, or mesozeaxanthine, lutein, and zeaxanthine. He read and he pointed out to me that the toxic dose of this, uh, of this MacuHalt is 5,000 pills a day. <laughs> and uh, the reason why, you know, in drug development, I'm a drug developer. Uh, I have now, I currently, I have founded eight biotech companies right now. So I'm developing drugs for cancer, for Alzheimer's, for all these different things, right? At this very moment. So the, the main key to developing a drug is toxicity. If it's too toxic, who cares if it works? 
the toxicity of Mackinhall, 5,000 pills a day, was that it cured a, can a, a model of liver cancer. Wow. Yeah, so we use the model of liver cancer to see if um, it is to hyper, uh, hyperdose an animal, right, or, 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 or a human, uh, because it won't get broken down if you have liver cancer, and that, then you'll, you'll show all these different toxicities. But instead of, 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 of making the dose so high and causing other toxicities, what it did was it cured the liver cancer. So the model was, <laughs> it was useless, right? <laughs> In terms of, so looking at that, my dad said, well, why can't I take four? So I said, well, I don't know, well, go ahead, <laughs> you know? But I, 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 I said he was crazy, you know, look, you have wet macroduration, I can see it. I, I showed him the OCT, you know, he, he got the angiogram. Yeah, wet macroduration. I mean, I've never used this to treat wet macroduration, okay, only to prevent it. So he did it, and I, I made him a deal. I said, okay, you do what you want. Give you three weeks. Three weeks, that's it, right? <laughs> three weeks. So he did what he wanted. And I said, if, if it didn't work, I'm giving you a shot that day. And I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you anything. You're just going to get the shot, all right? So he took this four times a day. And in three weeks, um, his vision went from 2100 to 2050. Um, he, he still had fluid, you know, uh, the bump went down to maybe 50%. So it was commensurate. So I go, what the heck? What'd you do? I, I thought he went to his student, you know, some of his students are the, the who's who in ophthalmology, like the, the chair of uh, UC Irvine, you know, uh, I mean, you, you go around the world, you know, and, and, and they're, they're the who's who in, in ophthalmology. So I thought he stuck out, you know, because <laughs> he didn't want to get it from me. So I said, Dad, what the heck? What, what, are you, what are you doing here? You know, what's wrong with you, right? Why did you have to go to somebody else? And he goes, no, I didn't go to anybody else. I just took this pill. I said, you serious? You know, the pill that I've been studying for, what, almost eight years, and you took it, and it actually works to, to stop you from having injections. So um, I followed him once, once every two weeks or so, and then um, in three months, completely gone, and his vision is 2025. Wow, that's a great um, story. This was 2016. 2016. Today, it's uh, 2020, right? Not a single injection. He's still on the, on the Macuhal, and I check him now every three, four months, and he's perfect. His vision is better he, because um, the side effect of MacuHealth is that it improves vision. Um, it improves visual function. That's been studied up the kazoo, et cetera. So um, a lot of athletes want to use it. Uh, I mean, that's their, that's their prerogative because um, uh, like my son is a tennis player. He pops MacuHealth left and right so he can win tournaments. He actually made it to states in doubles in, in Florida. That's hard. That's hard. And he's a short guy, you know, so he doesn't have the advantage of being like a tall, like, you know, a lanky Djokovic or something like that, right? So uh, vision is very important, uh, especially with athletics. I give it to my son for baseball. His pigment is 0.86. Yeah, I mean, it, it works very well in baseball. Uh, there, there are several teams who are probably using it as, as we speak, uh, Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah, so. So are there any other techniques, food-wise, exercise, as far as preventing macular degeneration that you're Well, what's interesting is, is that um, uh, the, the, the discovery of this uh, pigment macuhealth, all right, um, is a culmination of nutritional uh, studies. Um, uh, it started out with um, uh, the carotenoid levels that were found in the EDIC study uh, that was done in the 90s, which demonstrated that if you, had, you ate a lot of green leafy vegetables, that's kale, collard greens, spinach, if you're in the top uh, quintile, you would have a, a benefit. Now, the issue is that there's a been, been a big problem with our food, all right? 
That study was done in the 90s. And uh, uh, that, the, the spinach and collard greens and kale that were uh, in the 90s were packed with uh, the nutrient that's found in uh, this Macu health. Now, because of uh, GMO and um, also genetic, uh, genetic manipulation, uh, the amount of the substance in our spinach is been, has now decreased by, to 121, 121. So that means that um, uh, a serving of spinach uh, back in the, the, the 80s and 70s and, and so on and so forth um, had 21 times more of this nutrient that's found in Maculol than the spinach and the collard greens and the kale that we have now. So uh, if you want to not take a pill, and I'm okay with that, I have some vegan uh, patients, uh, they, they tend to be Hindu from India, but uh, they don't want to take a pill, correct? So I have them eat uh, probably uh, equivalent of three to four bushels of spinach a day. And, and they can do that. Cooked spinach, you know, it comes down nicely. And if you're vegetarian, that, that's, that's, that can be easily accomplished. You, you said before that you study red light and there's companies online that are selling red light bulbs. One of them is called Jew, where they recommend people to actually sit in front of these red lights and it, that it's good for their health. Do you know anything yes. about that? Sure, absolutely. Um, uh, the infrared wavelength actually, uh, well, there, there, there are several effects. Uh, one is in the cellular level, all right? And the other is in the, um, uh, in the neuronal level. Um, in the neuronal level, red light uh, behaves as a, a form of sort of, it, it like down-regulates the activity in your brain. You know, uh, uh, our lives are very stressful, correct? And so uh, our brains are always moving very, very fast, maybe too fast for their own good. And as a result, um, that can accelerate certain things like, you know, uh, Alzheimer's or, or dementia, all that kind of stuff, right? Well, um, uh, the red light actually turns on a pathway in our visual system that affects a certain part of our brain, uh, especially in the, uh, uh, the pineal pituitary axis uh, that uh, can actually, um, it, it sort of allows the, the brain to sort of relax and, and heal up, all right? That's why maybe in sleeping, you know, you do that same thing. At the cellular level, infrared light is synonymous with heat, right? And as you know, um, in everything, like our muscles, our skin, et cetera, uh, a heat or infrared is actually going to be a very, uh, it's a healing wavelength of light. Now, I can go through the molecular basis of this, uh, but it, this would be a bit far-fetched for our audience today, um, uh, but I have studied this extensively. Um, I, I, I've, I've uh, conceptualized uh, potential technology that um, could uh, trans transform, using uh, pigments on the lens, transform high-energy visible light and bring it a step down to emit an infrared wavelength. So you could have therapeutic glasses for people who have either brain injury or uh, Alzheimer's or other neurological issues. Um, <clears throat> my sister has end-stage Parkinson's and uh, manipulating light on her. I mean, you never want to use your family members as, uh, you know, as guinea pigs, right? But, um, you know, uh, that's what I do. But look, look at my dad. <laughs> you know, I mean, but he made himself a guinea pig. You know, I, I call him like Dr. Frankenstein. You know, <laughs> he's doing his, own, his own, you know, own type of research on himself. A lot of scientists are like that, by the way. Uh, I am like that, you know, um, I'm on Mackey Health because I did a research and I experiment on myself to see if it does improve my vision and all that kind of stuff. And it does. 
Uh, same thing with um, uh, the uh, infrared red wavelength of light uh, situation. It's a very powerful tool. It's just we don't have, um, we don't have the, 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 the boundaries of that technology yet. Uh, you know, it, what, what wavelength is, is appropriate, you know, and also what intensity, all these things haven't been really worked out. Um, they've been worked out in cell culture, they've been worked out in the basic science, but uh, applying to clinical realm, I mean, I, 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 can't, I can't attest to that yet, because um, delivery is going to be very, very critical. Whether it's near infrared or far infrared, that type of exactly, thing. Exactly, yes, exactly. It's the wavelength. I mean, it's just like blue light, you know. Uh, most sunglasses uh, protect against uh, 400 to 420. But the broad, big problem is 420 to 470, right? That's the problem. And, and almost no sunglasses protect against that. Right. So same thing with infrared. Is it the far infrared, mid-infrared, or, 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 or near-infrared? Don't know. Not yet. Working right. on it. One, one last question to ask you before I let you go, and I really appreciate you. You've been so generous. Oh, this is fun. This is great. Talk about medications. I find it fascinating when medications affect the retina or different parts of the eye. Can you talk about some of the common medications that could affect the retina? Um, uh, there are a lot of common medications that can affect the retina. Um, I guess the most common one is aspirin, all right? Um, if you're diabetic, or if you, are, um, if you have uh, a retinal detachment or retinal tear, or if you have um, a macular degeneration, uh, taking aspirin once a day, if you don't really need it, uh, could cause your eyes to bleed more and uh, bleed so badly that, that you go blind. Um, of course, that goes along with all the other medicines as well, like, uh, like Coumadin, uh, Plavix, uh, you know, uh, Prodaxa, all these different blood thinners, all right? So um, that, that is probably one of the, the most common medicines that is overused and results in retinal or, or vision-threatening situations, okay? That's number one. Uh, then there are other medicines that can, uh, are toxic, potentially toxic to the retina that are used in other forms of medicine. Uh, for example, rheumatology, uh, one of the mainstays of treatment for, uh, for SLE or lupus, uh, systemic lupus erythematosus, is, uh, is called Plaquenil. Now Plaquenil um, has some problems because um, it's derived from a uh, anti-malaria uh, drug called quinine. Quinine in high doses or long-term use of quinine will lead to irreversible blindness. It'll cause a macular degeneration that is not far-fetched from a dry macular degeneration. It's an accelerated form. So the problem is, is that um, we don't have to uh, give quinine to patients, but for those who have lupus or, um, or other uh, rheumatological disorders, Plaquenil is a mainstay of treatment. Now, it's a really good drug, except that it can cause blindness, you know, uh, which, which is kind of, you know, <laughs> not a great thing. The other ones, of course, are in the chemotherapy realm. Uh, there, uh, there's a drug called tamoxifen uh, that uh, is given uh, to a great deal uh, to um, to, to patients with uh, certain solid tumors like breast cancer. And um, uh, there are also some derivatives of tamoxifen that can cause uh, a retinopathy. That's not as common, but um, having worked at both the Dana-Farber at Harvard and uh, the Abramson Cancer Center at the University of Pennsylvania, um, I saw enough of this in the eye that that's a problem. Um, uh, the other thing that I see a lot of actually is um, problems with, uh, with veterans, uh, veterans who uh, were exposed to Agent Orange. So while I know that's not a drug, it is something that, um, uh, you know, I used to uh, run the, the VA retina service in Philadelphia for five years or so. And uh, I saw a lot of uh, eye disease, 
uh, that was unusual uh, in patients who had been um, uh, really bathed in Agent Orange in the Vietnam War. Uh, and and I, I put that as a drug, okay? I mean, I know, I know, you know, I see this a lot. I, I actually saw four patients with Agent Orange exposure that I'm treating, and they're really weird. It's like, you know, this is weird, 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 weird retinal stuff, you know? Um, and and it, it, it has to be that exposure because I don't see this kind of manifestation. It sort of looks like macular degeneration, sort of looks like diabetic retinopathy, sort of looks like all these other diseases, but it's not. And, and, and that's why I call it exposure to Agent Orange. But that's not gonna be defined and that's fine. You know, um, I, I know that the, 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 the VA or the government doesn't wanna study that anymore. Um, and you know, so it's just the way it is. But those are, those are the, the common medication-related problems. Of course, I also see uh, patients who are, are on antipsychotics or lithium, for example, or Mellorel. Uh, uh, th that, that, that's not as frequent, but my wife is a, a psychiatrist, so uh, she always uh, points out these cases to me. Uh, it's not something that, uh, you know, that, I, that, I, that I see often. So. How about statins? There's a lot of controversy around, around statins. Well, in the eyes, um, you know, there's, there's a, uh, my, uh, my mentor, she's the, the chair at Harvard uh, Medical School. Um, uh, she's been uh, studying uh, the use of statins in macular degeneration, and she has really shown some uh, strong effects of statins. Um, uh, but there have been other people saying that statins may have some toxicity to the back of the eye. Uh, uh, I, I'm not as versed at that. Um, again, politically, I, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of benefit. You know, there's always a, a both sides to the equation, right? Um, and I think that the, the evidence that statins are, are helpful to the eye in certain situations is stronger than the, the toxicity side, okay? So. And do you ever think that we'll see an, an anti-VEGF eye drop instead of having to do the injection for macular degeneration and diabetes? I, I'm currently working on that. Um, the problem is, is that, um, well, uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the, the people who make the injections, right, um, uh, it, it's, 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 it's sort of like a monopoly, right? <laughs> so as a result, um, uh, there's a lot of resistance to developing an eye drop. And, and that's, all, that's all I can say about that, unfortunately. Well, so. I, I want to thank Dr. Talentino. He is a wealth of information. He's one of the top retinal people in the whole world, not just in the U.S., but worldwide. Dr. Talentino, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, they want to see you as a patient, how could they do that? Oh, easy. Just uh, call my office. I actually have offices now in, uh, I'll tell you, <laughs> a lot. Uh, the villages in Florida, okay, uh, Clearwater, all right, um, Lakeland, um, uh, Lake Worth, um, Del Rey, Boca Raton. That's fantastic. I span. So, so you'll, you'll, if you come to Florida, you, you, <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm just an hour or, or, or less <laughs> from wherever you're going to be, right? <laughs> well, I really, I really appreciate Dr. Talentino spending time with us. He's a true genius. He saves people's eyes. And thanks so much, Mike. Can I, I, I can add one more plug? Okay. Sure. I'm doing a lot of uh, research, clinical research. Um, I'm actually in um, several trials, all right? Um, I have trials for uh, the dry macular degeneration. I have, I'm in trials for wet macular degeneration. I actually am developing a pill for wet macular degeneration, all right? I'm also doing um, uh, a diabetic retinopathy trials, 
there is one condition that happens in diabetic retinopathy where the blood vessels block off all the, 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 the flow to the center of the vision. It's called macular ischemia. And I'm doing the first study ever on trying to take care of this disease. And I'm the, I'm the lead in the world. Okay? So I'm just saying. If, if, somebody, if somebody wants to be in that study, how can they, they want to they have one call, of these call, call, call the office, look me up on the internet, okay? Um, I, I'm pretty much all over there. I just got, I got, I just got top doctor in, in, in two locations uh, in Florida, you know? And so so I ha I'm out there, right? So just look up my name and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see uh, where you can call uh, my offices. And then depending on where you're located or where you can go, um, I can try to screen you for one of the studies. I'm, I'm going to be in close to 20 some studies uh, by the by by the, the summer. So we'll, we'll put Dr. Talentino's information in the show notes. So yes, if people want to get in touch with Dr. Talentino, we'll make it a little bit easier. Yes, yes. I'm I'm I'm, I'm giving patients uh, tomorrow's medicine today. Thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate All right. it. Thanks a lot. Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural y es un buen producto. Every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I like to bring extra, and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you. 